0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. In this one, we look at another uninspired road performance by the Texans and more struggles from the Texas Longhorns. Before we fire up another Texans postgame show, a reminder that we are brought to you by betus.com. We can do these Texans postgame shows for you because of BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Not only is BetUS the place to bet on all your favorite sports, but in just a few minutes, as we always do, we're going to remind you about an exclusive discount that we've got for you. It's a way to save you some money, support our show, and maybe, maybe make a little holiday spending money. Yeah, that's coming up fast. Uh, thanks, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's all just around the corner. More on bet us soon but let's get it rolling with my co-host and regular sidekick a fellow h-town sports junkie and veteran journalist Stephen kerr and steven in three road games the texans have been outscored get this 102 to 24 Ooh, that's a really lopsided basketball score too uh on top, on top of being
1: a football score robert yeah that That isn't going to get you any wins. Absolutely not. And then, you know, you start the game the way you've started other ones. False start penalties. Yeah, you knew the the penalties were going to bite the Texans in the butt. Turnovers bit them in the butt. Bad defensive coverage bitten in the butt. How how long do you want to go on with this podcast, Robert? Because we can... We, we come up with a list.
0: Can we just record what you just said, and I'll just insert it at the beginning of every Texans postgame show? <laughs> yeah, every, every loss that the
1: Texans have, that's probably what it'll be. We, we can just you know play that as the intro and <laughs> go from
0: there. Well, let's get to the stuff that happened before the game because big lineup changes this week. Left tackle Laramie Tensel out for a few weeks. Garen Christian takes over at left tackle. Center Justin Britt was a no-go. Uh, plus, we found out Sunday that right tackle Marcus Cannon, who was on the IR, already underwent season-ending back surgery on a herniated disc. So, shock up another dumb Casario trade over the past uh, offseason. Mm-hmm. And remember that he gave up a Texans 4th and 6th for a Patriots 5th and 6th. So, the Texans got two lesser picks and a deal for a veteran offensive line that Steven, did they need him? Did they need this guy? Was he g- going to be a game-changer for them? This is a team that... Should have been on a three to five year uh, plan to rebuild, and Casario just giving away picks, and it's just it's so predictable. We we knew this was all stupid.
1: Yeah, now it's it's becoming predictable, and it's becoming very aggravating. I mean, here's a guy that you know now he's he's out with a back injury, sciatica issues, and things like that. So, yeah, yet another miss, and and yet another blow to a, a Texans offensive line that has struggled, especially with the running game. And I will tell you, Robert, you know, on the left side of the line, the the blocking for the run blocking appears to be better. It's the right side that we seem to have trouble. And I, I mean, it's amazing in a good way that Davis Mills hasn't been pummeled the way this offensive line is coming together. It, it's just, it's getting worse and worse by the week, especially with the running game. Although the running game, I mean, it you know, thanks to Mark Ingram... And one good run by Philip Lindsay, uh, the running game at least was halfway competitive today. But man, the offensive line, I mean, how many different ways can we screw up this offensive line?
0: Are you giving them credit for the Philip Lindsay run when you're down by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and they're not trying to play run defense? No, I'm, I'm just just—I'm just putting that in there, so at
1: least it, you know from the numbers standpoint, it makes it look competitive. But by then, I mean, the game was well out of reach.
0: Uh, but you know, it was Mark Ingram who really kept it more of the competitive way than anybody else. I didn't think the offensive line could get worse than it got with the coaching and everything that was going on under Bill O'Brien. But somehow, some way, they continue to get worse and worse and worse every single year. Well, there was, had some moments, I think, uh, within the last couple of years with Deshaun. But, yeah, it's it's the same old story. The, the other moves before the game, Terrence Brooks got his first started safety replacing Lonnie Johnson. We're going to get to that in a second because, uh, yeah, not so good. Uh, Charles Amenahu inactive for the second straight week, even though he has four sacks and three quarterback hits. amenahu not injured that I know of, Stephen. Did you see anything? Uh, that, that's uh, the big mystery. Amenehu not active for the second straight week. Why? He was I, a bright spot.
1: Yeah, the only thing I could see, the, the only thing I saw was something about he didn't have good practices this week or something. I mean, it's it certainly, like you said, no injury related. And this isn't the first time he's been inactive all season, Robert, if I'm not mistaken, is it? No. Yeah. I was just saying that was the
0: second straight week that he's been an act. I just, it's very odd. Very odd indeed. Yeah. um, So let's get to what happened in the football game. And we take it possession by possession, like we do every week and three and out on the first drive for the Texans offense. You said it, Stephen Farrell Brown commits a penalty before the Texans took their first snap. Stephen, here we go with Farrell Brown again with a penalty. Why can Brevin Jordan not even get on the field when Farrell Brown and Jordan Aikens, uh, they just have penalties over and over again. And it's not like they're doing anything explosive in the offensive game. And you drafted Brevin Jordan. Let's see what he can do. Uh, Jordan Akins gets a holding penalty on the second offensive possession.
1: Yeah, it's very frustrating. I mean, Akins did have some catches today, at least to get contributed that way. But when, when you talk about somebody like Brevin Jordan, I mean, he, he looked very promising in camp, Robert, but we haven't seen him all year and uh, you know what i keep hearing is that he's he's not currently fitting i guess the texans current scheme i i don't really understand that i mean you drafted the guy so let him see what he can do make you know make a scheme for him if that's the problem but you can't get much worse
0: in that regard so yeah i'm i'm a bit puzzled too as to why he hasn't been active one first down and punt on the texans First defensive possession, Jonathan Grenard, who continues to pick up some sacks, got another sack. So that was good news. But like I said, the Texans forced a punt at midfield on their next offensive possession. Not only did you have the Jordan Aikens holding penalty, but you also had Titus Howard with terrible blocking. And that led to a sack. And Steven, God, we beat this to death. But Titus Howard did not look terrible at tackle. The Texans have two injured tackles. What in the hell is Titus Howard, a first round pick drafted as a tackle at a college who played tackle in college? What is he doing at guard when he stinks and we have two injured tackles right now?
1: Yeah. Well, how many times have we asked this question, Robert? And we aren't getting an answer. Uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, personally in, uh, in line with the Texans coaches. I don't have them over for dinner and neither do you. So that may be the only way we find out. Because I it, he clearly, when he has been what what little time he has been at
0: tackle, I think he's looked pretty respectable, but it's just not
1: apparently working
0: out a guard for him right now. We sound like a broken record, and by the way, do they do they do broken record? does anybody know what a broken record is anymore do I have to say broken iPhone or what do I have to say now? Yeah,
1: anybody under thirty? yeah, when something you know gets stuck and it keeps going in the same spot, yeah, that's what a broken
0: record is so the Texans' next defensive possession. Seven play, 92-yard drive. Carson Wentz to Paris Campbell, 51-yard touchdown catch. Terrence Brooks, not only did he get burned on the play, but because he was so badly burned on the play in his start at safety, Stephen, he had to play catch-up, and he makes a last-second lunge and hurts himself, too, to add injury to insult.
1: Yeah, it's a case of him trying to do too much. I mean, he did come back later in the game, but you know, got himself needlessly injured on a play that was obviously busted
0: by that point. So uh, not a good way to, his first start, not a good way to go. If you looked at the replay, he was way late going to the other side of the field. There were two wide receivers way down the field at that point. So I don't know what he was looking at, but he missed both wide receivers because he was so far behind the play. So the Texans on their next offensive possession, we'll move over to that because they punt at midfield, the drive ends when Tim Kelly calls a terrible screen play on third and five. Not not sure I can even remember many quick screens on a third and five. It's just an odd call to me.
1: Yeah, it was to Chris Moore, and not only did he have no gain, he lost four yards. And I noticed that Tim was calling the screen quite a bit today. There were a number of them, and most of them didn't work. But that one definitely didn't work because it killed the drive. It was actually the very – I believe it was the last play of the first quarter – and, uh, you know, then the Texans, of course, had to uh, give it up at that point, And we know what happened from that
0: from there. You know, what doesn't work screens and running plays when you cannot throw the ball down the field. And that's one thing that really frustrates me with the Texans since Gary Kubiak has left because Kubiak knew how to do that play early in the game where he just does a max protect. It's a play action Your quarterback is not going to get killed, but it gives him a chance to just air it out once early in the game, loosens up the defense. Steven, they've got to figure out some way to max protect for, for this quarterback, for this kid, so they can throw the ball down the field. You've got Nico Collins. You've got Chris Moore. You've got guys that can get the ball down the field and maybe make a play for you. But if you do not throw the ball down the field, how are you going to run screens or how are you going to loosen up the running game at all?
1: That's the thing. And it's going to continue to kill drives for the Texans because obviously other teams are going to sniff that out. They're, they're going to sniff the screens and more often than not, they don't work. You know, look, Davis Mills made some mistakes today, but at some point you, you got to let him air it out in certain situations. You know, I don't, I don't think they need to go start raving crazy, but yeah, do more of that down the field and at least get the other teams thinking that you can. And that, of course, helps
0: the rest of the offensive plays. You know, I I would say before in the years prior that, hey, just throw the ball over everybody's head, but just air it out 50 yards, even if you're getting nothing out of it, even if it's not even close, you put that little thing into the other team's mind. Just the defense, yeah, they might go, oh, wait a second, the Texans could go deep. So you, you can get away with that screen pass. So the next drive. On defense, Steven. I'm doing the broken iPhone again because T.Y. Hilton <laughs> beats Lonnie Johnson. The T.Y. Hilton thing just, its it never ends, and that puts him in field goal range to make it 10 to nothing.
1: Yeah, and, and not only that, but uh, the, the Texans get an encroachment penalty that uh, didn't help either. T.Y. Hilton, I mean, the guy's been injured. He comes back, and he, he's clearly not completely healthy. But as we've said, you know, on previous podcasts, it doesn't matter. You know, T.Y. Hilton could be 70 years old, and he could still go out and you know probably make 5,
0: 10 catches against the Texans. Yeah, it was ironic because he had 4 catches for 80 yards in this game. He gets hurt at the end of the game. You you think, okay, well, he'll be hurt until he plays the Texans again and then he's ready to go and ready to, yeah. to crush it more him. than likely. <laughs> more than likely. So, yeah, the next drive uh, offensively for the Texans, 13 plays, 62 yards. Fairbairn with a 33-yard field goal. Davis Mills, a good drive, but... He nearly got picked off on third and five near the goal line. It looked for most of the first half that Davis Mills did a good job. I want to come back to that in a second, Stephen. But the defense does their job the next drive, punt at midfield. Then the offense punt near midfield after Mills is sacked on third down. David Johnson, terrible job picking up his blocker. And David Johnson did not have a good day because later in the game, David Johnson with a fumble, and and Butchin O'Brien lives on. (laughs) Yeah, he certainly does. And then there was another where he fumbled, but they
1: ruled it an incomplete pass. Otherwise, he would have had two fumbles on the day. So, yeah, for some inexplicable reason, David Johnson has been unable to hold on to the football. And, you know, honestly, Robert, outside of Mark Ingram, the Texans just need to completely
0: overhaul their running game because it clearly is not working. So Davis Mills in the first half, I thought, was pretty darn good again. He looked almost as good as he did against the Patriots, Steven. And I thought, okay, the offense has got a lot of issues, but Davis Mills is not one of them. And he does not deserve the rest of these guys outside of Brandon cooks because the offensive line stinks. The running backs are just a bunch of junkyard, not junkyard. They're a bunch of junk heap guys off the junk heap and the tight ends. Uh, mostly they commit penalties and get you in trouble and they don't do a whole hell of a lot else. So I thought, okay, we we might've turned a corner in the Davis mills story. And then the second half happens, but what did you think after the first half?
1: Well, I'm just so cautious about Davis mills. And I'll tell you why, Robert, because it, it seems that, you know, whether it's the defensive team makes the adjustments at halftime or, You know, maybe he gets – a. maybe he's been reading those press clippings. I I will tell you, I was – you know, I like to bounce back and forth between the television and radio broadcasts. At one point in the first half, I'm telling you, the TV crew, you almost thought they were going to start a Davis Mills fan club. (laughs) The way they were, you know, praising and complimenting him on, you know, this rookie quarterback who has so little experience, looking so good. Well, maybe he's been reading his press clippings too much, Robert, because it seems – you know, this isn't the first time it's happened. It comes out in the second half, and it's just the Texans totally cave in. The offense can't do anything. I mean, they they did move the ball still, yes, but they can't get points, and then Davis makes all those mistakes. So, yeah, I don't know what to think. I mean, it just other than the kid is still growing. He shows us flashes of what he can do. But he
0: just can't sustain it through a whole game, and that's what he's going to need to do, obviously, if the Texans are going to win some of these games. With the broadcast crew, I think they are just reaching for something positive to say about the Texans because they know half the audience, or I don't know if it's half the audience, but a big portion of the audience are Texans fans. So how do you get them to keep listening if you have nothing positive to say about the Texans? Well, that's it's probably a smart thing to do. I mean, it's better than
1: just ragging on the guys, and, you know, he, he shouldn't even be in there, blah, 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 so... I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how you win that necessarily, but at least they were saying nice things about
0: him. But boy, things, as you said, things changed in the second half big time. Yeah, we're going to break down the second half in just a bit. But quickly, our friends at BetUS.com had the Colts favored by ten and a half over the Texans by game time. It was maybe a little bit less than that when you and I talked. I think it was 10. Yeah, it was 10 then. We thought that might have been unfair considering the Colts and Texans had identical records, but it turns out, you know, we, we might've, we might've seen this coming because it it was Davis Mills going on the road. It's a rookie quarterback trying to put back to back good games together. And the Texans may have outkicked their coverage, so to speak against the Patriots.
1: Yeah. That's kind of what I felt too, Robert. I think that's, you know, that we kind of, I think talked about on the last podcast, as much as we'd like to think that Davis Mills had turned a corner. I mean, that was such a great game that he played. And I even said, I, I need to see more of that before I'm going to be fully convinced. And I, I guess the odds makers felt the same way because they, they took 10. And I thought that was a little bit much when you first told me about it. But obviously,
0: you know, it, it played out. If, if you uh, if you took the Colts and the points, you definitely won some money today. And if you're betting on the NFL or college football, and we're going to get to some college football news a little bit later, you want to do it with our friends at BetUS because you might as well use a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS, not just football. You can take the action on any sport. and They've been in this game for three decades as well. Really a pioneer in the sports book industry. Diehard customer fan base, easy-to-use mobile platform. BetUS.com, that's where you want to go. You can call 800-792-3887 if you want to do it by phone. 879-BETUS, and we can save you money when you sign up. Again, the promo code, we, we say it every show, but for, for those of you that you know haven't had a chance to get on there, it's HST125, as in Houston Sports Talk 125, for that 125% sign-up bonus on your initial $100 deposit. Again, HST125. To help our podcast, sign up using either the BetUS link on our pinned post at the top of our Twitter page or go to our website, HoustonSportsTalk.net, and click on the BetUS icon. Get your online and social sports betting partner with Integrity and longevity like I did. Bet U.S. You bet, you win, you get paid. Well, let's take a look at that uh, terrible second half. But you know what,
1: Robert? When it first started out, I almost thought, hey, maybe you know, maybe the odds makers don't know what you're talking about, and maybe we should have bet that the Texans could possibly get less than 10 points. Because the defense comes out. You know, they get the, the Colts get the ball on the 32. Pretty nice return by Doolin, but they go three and out. So you thought, hey, the Texans, if they could just, Davis Mills keeps playing like he is, you know, Jonathan Grenard gets a sack that maybe this game, you know,
0: won't turn into a catastrophe after all, but nope, apparently not. And let's name our defensive MVP, because you just said it, Grenard with the sack. Yeah, Grenard. Two sacks for him, yeah, yeah. And several tackles too. So he, he has clearly played well,
1: you know, the last couple of weeks, I believe he has four sacks now. So he's... He is definitely the MVP today and has has quietly had a good season, you know, overall from a defensive
0: standpoint, Robert. It's the only thing that Bill O'Brien got right in that draft, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. And you know, it's a shame if, if O'Minahue were in there and, you know, playing
1: like we thought he's capable of playing, really doing some things for that Texans defensive line, then the
0: defense would be even in better shape. But that at least right now, that's clearly not the case. So you're pumped, I'm pumped, that the Texans are pumped. And then the first throw of the second half, Davis Mills gets intercepted by Terrius Leonard and a terrible decision by Davis Mills.
1: Threw it right to him. Well, he threw it too low. I think, first of all, Robert, just, uh, you know, threw it right to him. Uh, Leonard is the one who made the interception. And Collins, you know, he just comes back from an injury. He makes the tackle. So, yeah, very poor decision. I think it, you know, I, I don't know if it's just overconfidence talking that he, you know, he's been hot. He thinks maybe he can throw it in a tight window. Well, it wasn't a tight window. He just... He just threw it too low. It, it just had no height on it
0: whatsoever. So that leads to two plays, 28-yard drive. Carson Wentz TD pass to Cox, and it's 17-3 Colts. Then on offense, one first down and punt. Again, Mills looking bad. He overthrows Nico Collins on third and two. Just a short pass, just one of these easy ones that I'm sure they practice in scrimmage all the time with. On defense, four plays, 88-yard drive. Four-yard TD run by Jonathan Taylor, but the play of the drive. 83-yard run by Taylor. That, Stephen, was the third play of over 50 yards against the Texans' defense.
1: Yeah, you know, up until that point, the, the Texans' run defense had actually been playing pretty well. I mean, not that, not that Carson Wentz needed the run game to help him. He was doing so well in the passing game. But still, they were controlling the running game. And then it seemed like once Taylor ran off that 83-yard run, I mean, it just went downhill from there. You know, just like before, and you know in Buffalo and in other places where the the Texans
0: defense just crumpled and the run game really got going for the Colts after that levy's defense they make their bones on not giving up the big play. This was the antithesis of it they they gave up the big play, they didn't cause a turnover in this game either. That's another story with the Texans defense and Is this the first game this year that they haven't caused a turnover?
1: You know, I I think so. It's certainly the first game in a while because that that has definitely been what has kept the Texans in most of their games. But, yeah, clearly none of those things happened today. And, you know, and then you add the penalties on top of it that the Texans just continue week after week to make mistakes. Uh, Gosh, no wonder they're losing by
0: 40 points and 28 points. And uh, that's what happened again against the Colts. Yeah, if you're wondering about the penalties in this game, Texans with four penalties, 25 yards. So it, it's not as bad as I thought it was, Stephen. No, actually it
1: is not. But it, it's just, you know, they, they always seem to come at the wrong time though. And, you know, they're either drive killers or it, it helps, you know, the offensive team get into gear. So it, it's just it, a lot of it is timing as much as, you know, how many and how much yardage you give
0: up. The Texans on the next offensive possession drive to inside the Colts 30, but Mills terrible pass protection on a fourth down and that ends that drive. The defense gets a three and out, but then we mentioned it before, David Johnson fumbles, so that takes it back to the Colts offense, who gets an 11-yard touchdown from Taylor after a nine-play, 63-yard drive. 143 yards for Taylor, nearly all of them in the second half. I mean, that that's where it all falls apart. I mean, it's a close game. The Texans, like you said, held the running game. Davis Mills played good, but then you start turning the ball over and you start giving up big running plays and it's over with at that point.
1: Yeah, it's over. It's just amazing. It's like a domino effect, you know? Um, And then it just, it went downhill from there, as we said. And I I just, you know, the Texans defense for the most part this season has played well, but I think this is definitely the first game where they just have gave up way too many
0: big plays. And, you know, then when the run defense collapsed, that was it. If you're wondering, because there there was another interception late for Davis Mills, his totals, two interceptions on the game, no touchdowns, 29 for 43. The percentage is not too bad for 243 yards. It it, it was the interceptions and some inopportune inaccuracy. This is my take, Stephen, after watching him to this point. Uh, His accuracy, I think, overall has gotten a little bit better. I'm I'm much more impressed than I was with him uh, coming out of camp and coming out of the preseason. Um, I I do like how he moves in the pocket. He seems to know where the pressure is coming from. That's a big thing. It's something that I think Deshaun Watson took a little bit longer to figure out how to do that. Uh, He was getting sacked needlessly because he was moving into the defense at times. They praised him on the broadcast vociferously about his ability to set up his offensive line, to set up... Uh, pass protection and stuff like that. The problem is I have no idea how good he is at that, Steven, with this offensive line. They are so terrible, it's hard to know. There are things, though, that he's doing good and he's getting better at. And so, I mean, that gives you the hope that at least maybe he has the potential to be an above-average quarterback and, and maybe more. I don't know. He is getting
1: better, Robert. And yes, the, the offensive line should be criticized for what they're doing. But let's not forget you know the, the running backs are supposed to provide some protection, too. And not only are they fumbling the ball, but they're not doing a great job of picking up, you know, the defense either. So it's a combination of all of those things. And, and the pressure thing you mentioned, that is a bit surprising, pleasantly so. He does seem to know what to do when he's under pressure. I think sometimes he still has a tendency maybe to lock on a receiver every now and then. Or, you know, just throw a ball like he did with that one the first interception, just threw it right to the right to basically the defensive back. Those are the things he's just going to have to clean up and every quarterback has to do it. So I'm I'm not willing to put it all on Davis Mills at this point as to, you know, the Texans offensive woes, because as we've said, the offensive line has
0: definitely been suspect, you know, and even the running backs haven't been picking up the, the protection either. A couple of things on the throws that he's making and the throws that he's not. He's good on that first read. If that first read is there and it's open, he's pretty accurate. He makes a good throw. He gets the job done. He's good when he's scrambling and he's got to make a throw on the run. Fantastic at that. He's really been exceptional and made a couple of those in this game. The one that he's having the trouble with, Stephen, and and maybe this is just a young quarterback thing, is that that second and third read when he's got the protection – but he's got a couple of extra seconds and he's trying to figure out who to go to next. And that's when he sometimes throws that interception or one that ones that are nearly intercepted like he had. Sometimes maybe it's a case if the quarterback has too much time to think,
1: you know, and most of the time you probably feel like you don't have as much time as you actually do. You know, this is the NFL. You're gonna have the rush more often than not. So I, I don't know if it's just a case of, you know, he's trying to think that he doesn't have as much time as he does. Or, you know, he just, he tends to get locked in. It's it's easy to get locked in on the first read and you want to stick with it. But you've got to see the whole field and know who's open and who's not and make those decisions, especially when you do have that kind of time. I mean, it'd be different if he didn't have that kind of time and he has to make a rush decision and he's throwing picks. But as you said,
0: Robert, that's not the case. The defensive MVP for the Texans, we said it already. The guy that made the, the, the two sacks and Grenard, The offensive MVP, this is an easy one for me, Stephen. Just quietly, another really strong game by Brandon Cooks. Nine catches, 89 yards. 20-yarder was his long one. Uh, He was targeted 13 times. You can't say enough about just the solid play that he gives you every single week. You know, I I, I
1: wanted to argue with you, Robert. I wanted so badly to give it to Mark Ingram just because he at least made the run game look so halfway decent with, you know, he had a 24-yard run, but clearly there was no significance there. So, yeah, you got to give it to Brandon Cooks. I mean, the guy is the Texans' best receiver uh, in in almost all the games except one when Chris Moore had that great game last week. So, yeah, I I think you have to say that Brandon Cooks, he's the guy, and he's probably going to be the guy more weeks than not as far as your offensive MVP
0: unless somebody like a Chris Moore kind of steps out of nowhere. Now— The thing about Mark Ingram in this game is I just saw a couple of times where he cut the wrong way, and I saw some running room. I saw some space that he missed. Uh, So that was my thing against Mark Ingram. It's also worth noting on offense that Nico Collins came back for this one, and he did make four catches. Uh, He was targeted six times, four catches for 44 yards, 11 yards a catch. Uh, The the rookie gets back into it, and that's something at least that you can go – hey, we can hang our hat on maybe this guy being potential down the road. Because when you look at the Texans, it's the, the big problem is, like we, we talk about the Rockets, Steven, and there's all these guys that, hey, maybe this guy has potential. Maybe that guy has potential, and he's a young guy, and he just got drafted, and he's 19, and he's 20. The Texans, it's a bunch of old dudes and Davis Mills and Nico Collins. And that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. And you know what I always say about potential. It it does, you know, good. It doesn't win ball games for you until it's realized. And so, yeah, Nico Collins, I, I mean, he's shown flashes and I kind of thought that we wouldn't get as much out of him this year because he still had a, a ways to grow. But I I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. You know, he even made that tackle on uh, Davis Mills first interception. He came back and, you know, made the tackle on that. And as you said, he had four catches. So you know, I want to see more of him if he can stay healthy.
0: Well, will he be a great receiver? Yeah, I don't know, but he certainly has the potential to be a good receiver. Jonathan Grenard with not only the three sacks, but, or two sacks, but, the, but three quarterback hits. Uh, we got to maybe mention Camo Grugier-Hill, nice game, seven tackles, four solo. I mean, he was the only guy that I really felt like made any sort of impact on defense. Yeah, and we've been calling his name several
1: times this season, and I think we'll continue to. He's he's a great young player. He hustles. He's got that Lovey Smith intensity. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the season and
0: beyond what Gruzier Hill, Hill can do. Whitney Merciless. He was everywhere. No, Whitney Merciless is just – I mean, he's, if he doesn't <laughs> have, a, have that one-sack game, Stephen, he, he, you just don't even hear his – I mean, he was invisible and, you know, again – it's it, I just can't I can't with the with the Whitney Merciless and the and the and all these guys that Bill O'Brien signed to stupid contracts. It's just terrible.
1: Yeah, definitely a guy not living up to his contract. And uh, he hasn't even shown the kind of flashes that make you think, hey, maybe he's coming out of it. So, uh, you know, we were so excited when he got the one sack. Well, that that's not that doesn't bode well for somebody like a Whitney
0: Merciless, Robert. I mean, we should expect that sort of thing from him, should we not? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question. Let's move on from the Texans because I know you and I are just exhausted by by these guys. And we're depressing our listeners, too, I think, if we keep going too much longer. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're moving up in the draft order. So with the Jacksonville Jaguars winning, you know, they're they're moving up. Um, Let's move to college football. Nowhere near as exciting as last week. No Houston Cougars. They were off this week. The Aggies kind of had a buy. Remember, Steve and I told our listeners to get to bet U.S. and bet the mortgage On the Aggies, it was just a nine-point spread over my Missouri Tigers. I was like, "What in the? What are you guys doing over there? That is a gimme bet."
1: Yeah, you clearly would have made some money on going because yeah, what was it, thirty-five to fourteen? A&M clearly did it. Now, you know, Jimbo Fisher was upset that the Aggies didn't finish the way they started. I mean, they came out strong; they they looked great in the first half. But my goodness, they—it's not like they needed to finish that strong in the second half, but. Jimbo Fisher was none too happy, but nonetheless, the Aggies win 35 to 14 in rather convincing style. Robert, so sorry that had to be over your
0: alma mater there. I'm sorry I missed everything you said because I'm on the phone to uh, the car dealership. The Mercedes is on its way. Uh, you know, I, I made the bet. It's 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 a done deal. Yeah, it's a done deal. Yeah. Well, you know, I, and I bet it was painful having to bet against your school too. But hey, if it gets you a new Mercedes, you know, I I, I doubt you'll be worried about it too much. The Aggies didn't even need Calzada to be Alabama Calzada with Mizzou's rushing defense being so pathetic. Calzada throws for only 148 yards, but Spiller and a, a- Chain is just <laughs> they ran for 292 yards, averaged about eight yards a carry. Missouri's defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. I would be shocked if he's still getting paychecks by the end of the year, and you might recognize him from his one year as Arizona Cardinals head coach. He was 3-13. and 13. I wonder why. Uh, Yeah, he needs to go. I'm also starting to wonder if Missouri's head coach Drinkwitz might be looking for work. It's only a second season, but they look so poorly coached. You talk about penalties with the Texans. It's minor compared to Missouri, and they might need to eat that contract, which was six years, $24 million when they signed him a couple of years ago. Anyway, nobody cares about my troubles.
1: I was going to say, if I the the way you're talking, Robert, if I didn't know any better, I'd almost think you're talking about the Longhorns and not the Tigers. You y- got me
0: because you were—that's <laughs> what I was leading it to. Let's get to your troubles, buddy. Yeah, let's let's
1: get to our troubles here. As uh, of course I am in Austin for people who don't know, and I do follow the Longhorns. I'm a fan. You know, am I a do or die diehard fan? I don't know about that, but the Longhorns clearly have some problems, and. and Yeah, they're four and three. I guess Missouri would love to be four and three. But hey, when you're the University of Texas, four and three is not going to cut it, especially when year after year you keep thinking they're going to turn it around for the second week in a row. Can you say choke? Well, a lot of people are saying choke because the Longhorns gave up another lead that they should have kept against Oklahoma State. They end up losing 32-24 after getting off to another great start. Problems, problems. You know, you talk about the Texans offensive line. I mean, I've been saying it for weeks, Robert, and the Longhorns have problems on theirs too. They have injuries. They have a couple of linemen who are out, and they even have a receiver who is injured. Jordan Whittington is, is out for a good length of time. So, but, but that notwithstanding, yeah, you can point to the Longhorns defense and say the defense isn't playing well, but listen. When your offense has seven, count them, seven three and outs, Including four in a row. That is way too much time to be giving your defense
0: time on the field, don't you think? The other thing I was wondering is with the offensive line so bad, I feel like Bijan Robinson's draft position should move up even more than it is because he might actually get a real offensive line to work behind in the NFL. I don't if you're an early draft pick, maybe you don't, but man, that guy Uh, considering what he's got to work with with that O-line, it's pretty amazing what he does every week.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, he still had 135 yards, you know, which is pretty good considering, uh, you know, as you said, the offensive line and what was going on. But unfortunately, the, the rest of the offense was not clicking in the second half, and they didn't execute when they needed to. And then Oklahoma State, you know, was just like OU. Once they got the momentum, they roared back, and there was just nothing the Longhorns could do but watch helplessly as they blow another lead at home this time in front of 99,000 plus fans who that couldn't have been
0: a great uh, sight there at uh, Royal Memorial stadium. Where are you on Sarkeesian? Do you think this is his fault or do you think that maybe the O-line just didn't have enough talent when he walked in the door?
1: I'm not sure that it had enough talent. I mean, I, I don't know that I can totally blame Sarkeesian. Now I, of course his offensive scheme and he's made some, they actually made some adjustments uh, this week you know, from a defensive standpoint, even from uh, an offensive standpoint. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, some of it is on the coaching. I think when you're talking about letting up in the second half, it's, it can't be all on the players, but some of it is, but you know, this is Sarkeesian's first year and I'm just not like a lot of these typical Longhorn fans who are probably ready to fire the guy right now, you know, after three losses in their first seven games in his first year, you got to give it a little more time than that. But clearly, there are still some question marks that I think a lot of people were hoping
0: they would have answered by this time during the season. Quick reminder before we finish up this show that if you're looking to make a little spending money wagering on college football or the NFL or any sport, just go to betus.com, America's favorite sports book. Again, the promo code HST125 and you can get that 125% signup bonus on your initial $100 deposit if you forget look for the promo code in the show description. If I haven't mentioned it earlier in the show, it's worth noting that it's there as long as we've got them uh, sponsoring us, which should be for the next few months. And thank you to them. And and to help our podcast, you can sign up using either the bet us link on our pin Twitter post at the top of our page, or go to our website, Houston sports net and click on bet us. And Steven, we put up an Astros post game show. If anybody missed it that's listening to this and we are going to continue with the post game shows this week so looking forward to that there is no rest for the weary we're going to keep bringing you post game shows because this is an exciting time of year
1: well if anybody needs rest it's the astros pitching and yeah they they get the off day here on sunday as we're recording this but they're going to be right back at it three games in a row and Robert, I mean, I guess if, if both of our schedules line up, that's uh, what we'll be doing three postgame shows in a row. So, But, you know, as we've said before, this is the postseason. So, as long as the Astros keep winning,
0: that's good for us because we'll just keep doing postgame podcasts, right? Absolutely. And we, we love doing them. And before we close things out, again, go to BetUS. And maybe what you need to do is get on BetUS and wait till the next Texans Road game. Maybe bet against the Texans on the road. I'm just thinking about that with the point spread and everything like that. But give you something to ponder as we uh, finish up the show. Thanks again, everyone. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.